Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning into the show. Got a couple of murder minutes finest with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 48th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. Got a lot of topics we're going to cover today, but the first thing we're about to get into is the UFC. Uh, they had UFC 206 last week. Um, first fight we're about to get into uh, is Choi vs. Swanson. Uh, you brought it up last week, uh, Darnell, before the show even um, started about Choi. Uh, that guy's an absolute beast, man. I was really imp- impressed with his performance uh, that night. Even though he did get an L, uh, that guy has a lot of potential. Yeah, uh, it was one I was looking forward to. It didn't let people down. Uh, that's was two men standing up and giving each other their best shots. Uh, everybody's already calling it an early candidate for fight of the year, well, late candidate for fight of the year, I guess, since we only have uh, two weeks left in the year. Uh, it's it's going to be fresh in people's mind, and you know, both guys showed that they have some power and they both showed that they have chins to take some heavy shots and uh Choi for this was his first uh test with the upper parts of the division showed that he, he can stand and bang with him. Uh probably shows he, he has some holes in this game he has to fix uh to maybe next time be on the winning side of that. But but yeah, very fun fight, very great fight. Yeah, you know, you just hit it, man. That guy, uh, well, both of the guys, uh, they had, uh, great, uh, just a great chin. Uh, they were both able to just take some punches and, uh, just stick with it in that fight and, you know, deliver punishment as well. So, uh, it was a very entertaining fight. Uh, can't wait to see both of those guys get back in the ring. Uh, Choi, uh, he's 25 right now. So, you know, he still has, uh, some area to improve in his game as well as just get better. So, but uh, if he sticks with it, man, he keeps that up. Uh, you know, my man Aldo definitely going to have to be on the lookout for this guy because that dude's a beast. Uh, we'll kind of get back to uh, those two in a minute because uh, we got to talk about that, um, the main event for that night. Uh, but up next, we'll go right to uh, Cerrone versus Brown. Uh, how did you feel about that fight? Uh also just kind of went as expected uh another one where both were gonna come out and give their best shots neither was gonna really be scared to throw with the other uh had matt brown had some early moments in it but uh cerrone took over and then laid him out with uh took him down with a nice head kick it's just cerrone continues to Amaze. Yeah, you know, I'm really starting to become a huge fan of Cerrone. Uh, you know, before. Just now? Yeah, like, it's crazy, man. Like, I wasn't really, like, I didn't hate him. I didn't like him. I was just like, okay, Cerrone's fighting. But that guy has just been hella impressive, man, since I've been watching him. Uh, with his last fight, I forgot, uh, who he fought, um, before Brown, but that was a great, impressive knockout he had against his last fight. And now against, uh, the performance that he had against Brown, uh, you know, that guy's really been catching my eye. You know, the dude's a beast. Uh, we should have definitely been uh, following him more uh, until, like, the last uh, a couple years or so. But, yeah, you know, Cowboy, he has all my respect now, man. That dude is a beast. Uh, really just a huge fan of him in that ring, man. He just pulls it off, man. It just 
keeps going at it. You know, the guy, they call him the busiest man in the UFC. You know, he's always willing to set the fight. So, uh, just huge props for him. Yeah, he's already scheduled to fight again in January. <laughs> they scheduled him already? <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous, man. Just, just to add to that busiest man, yeah, he, he fights uh, Jorge Masvidal January 28th okay. in Denver. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, um, because, you know, he's in the welterweight uh, division. Um, you know, obviously they're probably going to have um, Woodley and uh, my man Thompson uh, fight again. But you think after, if, after he win, if he wins in uh, January, you think he should be up next for the title shot? It's, it's going to be hard to deny that for him. I mean, he's he's on a tear. And, yeah. you know, like his... His last loss was to RDA, I believe. Yeah. And since then, he, and he hasn't just been squeaking by people or working out decisions. He's been putting people down, and that's a weight class up. So exactly, yeah. This It's going to be kind of hard to at least have him in the conversation. Yeah. He, he has to be thought of as a as a option for the next uh, defense for whoever wins in the rematch out of uh, Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that was his uh, fifth or sixth um, straight win in the welterweight division. So he's been going at it, man. Uh, really just a uh, pleasure to watch that guy get in the ring for sure. Now, up next, uh, we're about to talk about Pettis versus uh, Holloway. Um, kind of interesting before going into the fight, uh, you know, uh, Pettis, he made, the, uh, made his way down to 145, and then uh, before he got into the ring with him, he missed weight by three pounds. Um, so after the fight, um, after the, uh, he lost to Holloway in the ring, uh, it looks like he's going to go back up. Um, the fight because he just was talking about how he struggled uh, to make weight for this fight. So uh, it was kind of just a short uh, moment for him in that weight class. But uh, what did you think about his performance uh, against Holloway? I mean, I was surprised by it because I think we both picked him to win. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Holloway just kind of buzzsawed him. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that was because of how tough the weight cut was, if it took a lot out of him, but it just, that that wasn't Anthony Pettis. Uh, yeah, and two, I don't know if you uh, forgot, but yeah, he did. It looks sound like, yeah, he broke his uh, right hand um, in the ring, too. So uh, that kind of limits him a bit with his uh, striking and whatnot. But, uh, you know, Holloway did his thing against him, man, so. Yeah, I mean, all the props to Max Holloway, he, he did what he needed to do. He looked impressive, uh, and, you know, he finished the fight, uh, and earned, earned that interim belt. And now he gets to, uh, match up with, uh, Jose Aldo, it looks like, and I'm, I'm going to be excited to see that. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, Holloway, you know, he was talking trash, uh, after the fight, so. Uh, last person that talked trash to Jose Aldo, uh, you know, knocked him out quick. So, yeah. want to see, yeah, want to see how mentally uh, he would be able to uh, handle the trash talk from Holloway, because uh, you know it seems like Holloway just gonna get on him and on him uh, closer and closer the fights get. So, um, that's gonna be a good mental test for Aldo. Yeah, and you know Holloway is he's pr- the person that gave 
uh, Conor McGregor his best fight at featherweight. That's probably, right, yeah. Most competitive fight. So yeah. definitely interesting on that front uh, to see how Jose can bounce back against the guy who was the toughest test, I guess we'll say, for his, his nemesis. Yeah. Now, uh, Cub Swanson, he did uh, ended up winning uh, – the same night uh, against uh, Choi, as we just talked about. Uh, where do you think he uh, ranks in that uh, division uh, with those guys? Could you see him possibly, uh, whoever wins out of Aldo and uh, Holloway, you think he could get that title shot next, or you think there's still more left for him uh, to prove? There might be. He might have to have another fight in front of him. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's not crazy, like, Cub Swanson's a known commodity at that weight class. Uh, tough fighter as as shown. And, you know, by having a fight like that, I mean, Dana and company do seem to reward exciting fighters that, you know, are willing to get in there and go balls to the wall. So it's not out of the question, but I think he probably has to get another fight, another win under his belt. I just uh, finally, man, you know, what's next for uh, Pettis, you know? Are his uh, best days over with? Because, uh, you know, we expected him to do great in the uh, featherweight division, but he struggled to make weight. Now he's going back up to the class uh, that he was struggling with. Um, you know, previously uh, lost three uh, straight in that class. So uh, what do you what do you expect out of him, man? I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a quick rise and a quick fall for him. Yeah. Blasted onto the scene, you know, the, the showing the Showtime kick everywhere from the the last fight in WEC uh, between him and Henderson, and uh, and once he got the title from Henderson in the UFC, you know, he thought the sky was the limit. He was on Wheaties boxes and everything, and you know, then he lost his title, tore his ACL, and it's he just hasn't been able to find that magic again so you know it, it's tough to see because he, he you know when he was at when he's at his best he's exciting he's fun to watch he's you know strikes from all angles and is creative but you know sometimes it's tough to come back from injuries like that especially when your game is based on athleticism like like his is yeah uh, he, he he's not totally lacking technique but he's just i guess he's kind of one of those he's one of those tweeners he's kind of too small for 155 but apparently it's hard for him to get down to 145 so yeah that's that's tough for him like when you're a man between weight classes where you kind of don't fit in in either yeah it's hard to figure a way uh he was living off of just the talent and athleticism keeping him at the top of the 155 weight class, but, you know, it seems like he, he slowed down a notch or people started to figure him out. Uh, seemed to get that game plan where if you pressure him, he, he can't use his free-flowing offense. So, and, you know, everybody at 155 is bigger where they can press the action against him. Yeah, so... Yeah, you basically nailed it, man. It's going to be interesting to see how he's going to rebound um, after that loss. Uh, especially, you know, I thought uh, things are going to be looking great for him at the featherweight, but, you know, have have problems making weight. So it's going to be interesting to see how he goes um, and responds after that L. All right, uh, any other 
comments you have to say for the U- UFC? I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week. This one of those where I think if this one was on free TV, they would have made a lot of fans just because of how crazy some of these fights were. Just but that I, Choi, yeah, that Choi from yeah. the Swanson fight, man. Just that alone uh, would have gotten them. So yeah, I yeah I, I yeah I would like to see how that sold. Um, because yeah, like I said, yeah, I think that would have been a good opportunity for them to uh, switch and put that on Fox, uh, since you know. Yes. Their heavy hitters, uh, Cormier and uh, Johnson, uh, were not going to be able to duke it out. So, yeah, I think that would have been a good move by them, man. Yeah, I think they you just hit it, too. Yeah, I think they missed out on the opportunity to gain some uh, fans through that because they had some great fights on there. All right, uh, next thing we're about to get into is NCAA basketball. Um, you too, man. What do you guys think about uh, the season so far? I think in terms of the early season, we we had a lot to be excited about. We've seen a lot of really good freshman talent. I think most notably uh, from everybody's radar, we saw Josh Jackson struggle a little early but find his ground. We saw Miles Bridges play a few times on national TV and uh, played very well and impressed a lot of people, including myself. I didn't know a ton about him coming into the season, but uh, saw a lot that I liked. Unfortunately, he has an ankle injury right now, but should should be back before too long from from what I understand. Uh, is that right, Darnell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Probably um, week away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he'll just miss a small handful of games, but be black, be back in plenty of time for Big Ten play to start. Um, and then probably a player that was not on a lot of people's radar, but is really shown up has been Lonzo Ball. Um, great freshman out of UCLA, can do it all, handle the ball, uh, drawing a lot of Jason Kidd comparisons. Uh, I think they're quite accurate, too. Uh, I know, Darnell, you may have a little bit better insight to that as Kidd's one of your one of your top guys that you like to talk about. So um, I'll, I'll let you touch on that, too. But um. And then, you know, we see a lot of uh, players that have come back that are playing, you know, some pretty good ball. And, you know, a lot of players for North Carolina, for Duke. Um, uh, Kentucky has a lot of freshmen that are nice, too. But, uh, you know, it's early in the season. We've seen a few good games. Uh, we've seen the number one team lose a few times. Villanova doesn't look like they're going to hand it over without a big fight from somebody. So uh, a lot to be excited about early. Uh conference play is going to be starting up before too long and then things will start to get really exciting with a lot of rivalry games but uh, thoughts on this season so far is that they're good there are a lot of must-watch players and then you know you have your top of the mill teams that you always tune in to watch so uh, good stuff so far this season nothing's really been uh, you know turning people away from from watching and nothing's you know saying, oh, you know, that's not right. Uh, it's just a lot of typical hard-playing college basketball so far and uh, a lot of good teams at the top, and I expect a lot of them to stay there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess my season's going about where you'd expect. Uh, the, the the top expected teams are showing what they are. Um, Things are starting to shake out a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll learn more, like when Ty said, when we get into league play for a lot of these teams where they're 
playing coaches and schools that are familiar with the play style of these teams. So, uh, ball games get a little more tighter, more close. Uh, as far as Lonzo Ball, yeah, he's been pretty much the surprise of the year. Uh, he basically does a little bit of everything. Uh, tall guard, 6'6", six, six, uh, a little under 200 pounds. Uh, I guess I could see a little bit of kid there, but I think uh, Ball is light years ahead of him as far as shooting goes uh, at this point in the game. Uh, he can... He has some range, uh, but as far as that that athleticism goes, and you know, being able to take uh, other guards down low, and he he has a knack for getting the ball out to people to score too. Uh, I can see some of that. Yeah, you know, I I think that's where a lot of people are seeing the kid comparison is in the athleticism, the ability to drive and dish, the ability to keep it and score at the rim. Uh, I think it's it's totally there for, for Lonzo Ball. Um, I think he's very quickly moving himself into the lottery. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I I don't think many, well, at least that I'm aware of, I don't think many people were talking about him before the season started. But when mock drafts come around, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top five. If, um, you know, I, I think he is NBA ready. Uh, he'll need. I think he'll need to bulk up a little bit, but the NBA just naturally does that to you. So, um, I, I think I think he'll be ready by the time the end of the season rolls around for sure. For sure, yeah. The, the size will come uh, with going to that next level and and the strength with it. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean you can't deny it. Freshman kid averaging fifteen and eight, and, and he's still getting about five rebounds too, mm-hmm. uh, and and getting a block a game. So. He's he's doing a lot uh, with mm-hmm. with uh, his 190 pound frame at six six. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, getting into the NBA, he'll easily rise that to about you know 220. Yeah. You know, and then he'll he'll be there. But but yeah, you know, I think Lonzo Ball's been the player I've been impressed with the most. Uh, you know, basically going from off the radar to right in front of your face. So uh, it, it was also nice seeing him play, uh, you know, my team, Michigan. So really getting a good look at him and a game where he shot the ball extremely well. So it's not like, you know, I saw an average effort or something like that out of him. You know, I actually got to see see him put out a good, really good show. So that that definitely helped me be very impressed with what with what he's able to do. All right, now, uh, just Darren, I'll just like to know, you're a Michigan State fan. Uh, you know, they started off uh, pretty rough, but they started picking it up, man. Uh, how do you feel about them? Uh, use uh, Denny Green right now. They are who I think they are. Uh, <laughs> uh, young team, uh, still trying to learn how to play together. Uh, Izzo's learning how to deal with a freshman laden team that a lot of freshmen are getting a lot of minutes from him. Um, of course, uh, he knows how to input like one star freshman in with everybody else. He, he's had that going. So, you know, 
you would think that would have been Bridges this year. He's done it with Gary Harris, uh, Zach Randolph, to name a few, just like star freshmen that he had that he had to, you know, get minutes to. But he's had to go to the well for a lot of positions right now. You know, Langford's getting a lot of minutes. Cassius Winston's both of them have started to start a couple games, and now the next surprise for them is uh, freshman forward Nick Ward, who's becoming their low post presence, and which I think has turned out to be the the blessing of not having Bridges for these couple games. Uh, he's it's forced him to see what else he has, and you know, give some other players some chances to step up and earn some minutes. So I think once they get back to full strength, uh, and, and league play where things start to slow down for everybody and they'll start winning some of those games that are coin flips to maybe people don't think they should win. Uh, I think that talent will start to come through and Bizzo's coaching will always be there. All right. Uh, what about Utah? Like, uh, who are you following uh, this year? You still uh, for Michigan or yeah, somebody else? Yeah, or? you know, I'll I'll always look at Michigan, and I I've said it for years. Michigan's lived by the three, die by the three. They hung around with UCLA for a half by making I think they had twelve or thirteen three pointers in the first half. I mean, they would they were honestly shooting lights out, and then it kind of just faded a little bit on them and. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll always, you know, like that Michigan team, just, you know, one of the, you know, home state things like that. Uh, plus, you know, it's one of those things where if you're from the state of Michigan, well, you like one or the other, you're not going to go, Oh, Michigan football, state basketball. It's like, no, that discredits you right away. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, some other teams that I, that I follow, I follow North Carolina. Um, I like, I like watching them a lot. I really got into them in the, uh, Hansbro Lawson days, you know, back in that 2007, 2008 range, and I, I, I've liked them pretty much ever, well, even even a little bit before that, but uh, that was the team that really solidified, like, oh, I really like North Carolina now, and you know, seeing them this year, they're fighting an injury right now with Barry. Um, he he shoots the three well for him. He's point guard. Uh, shoots the three pointer well for him and. As of late, North Carolina hasn't really been shooting the three extremely well, so uh, they'll get him back. They'll right their ship a little bit. They lost some key players from last year, most notably uh, Bryce Johnson and uh, Marcus Page. I think those are their their two biggest losses. So they're they're still trying to figure out a little bit who they are. I mean, currently they are ten and one. They're they're still having a really good season. That loss coming at Indiana in a in a really good game. Um, you know, they still have Justin Jackson, Kennedy Meeks. So they, they'll be there. Kennedy Meeks is, is a good player. I like him. Good <laughs> low post player. Um, you know, I think everybody right now is going to be following UCLA, seeing what they're able to do, uh, with Lonzo Ball. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. They're going to be the talk of the town in Los Angeles. So, well, definitely in terms of, uh, basketball right now. I mean, the Lake, Lakers are getting their trade. Don't worry. Lakers are getting there, but, UCLA right now is going to be bringing all the stars out to their home games, so uh, they'll they'll be a lot of fun to watch going forward. Uh, Villanova, I think a lot of people still need to see what Villanova really has. Um, they're kind of the team that plays in 
you know, a little bit of a weaker conference, uh, you know, one of those expected to run the table type teams, but, uh, I'll, I'll wait for them to get tested a little bit. Um, you know, I haven't gotten a great look at them yet this year. I've seen some highlights and stuff where they break away from a tight game. So, I mean, they have the ability, they're number one, they're 10 and 0. Um, everyone will keep an eye at whoever's at the top. So, um, but yeah, so it, for, for me, it's more, I just kind of have a more rounded, you kind of look at everybody, see what everybody's doing. You know, I'll even keep an eye on Michigan State, see what they're up to. Um, so for me, that that's the fun of college basketball, knowing your team's that great of a team. You kind of look at everybody and you don't get a tunnel vision. So um, yeah, just trying to keep an eye on as much of it as I can, to be honest. All right. Um, now. Based upon, uh, you know, what you guys have seen so far, um, who would you say are, that you believe are the top five teams, um, so far, um, in the season? It's, it's tough because th- this early, um, like I said, we'll, we'll know a lot more when it comes to conference play. But, you know, for, from what I've seen, uh, there have been some really good early season matchups. Um, who I like, I think you kind of have to give the nod to Villanova, number one, defending national champion. Haven't lost yet. Uh, from what I've seen, they, they look pretty good. So I'll keep them at the one. I'll put UCLA at the two. I think they're very impressive. Uh, not really having a ton to base them on last year. They didn't even make the tournament. So it's not like you can kind of give them an edge over somebody or or anything like that. I, I So I like Villanova at one. I like UCLA at two. I really like Duke at three. Their freshmen are starting to get healthy. Uh, Tatum and uh, Gills, I believe. Gillis? Gills? Uh, I guess Gills. Gills, yeah. So, uh, you know, once those guys really get acclimated into it, I think Duke's going to be going to be solid. So I'll put Duke at three, Kentucky at four, and then I like uh, probably Kansas at five, with North Carolina close behind at six. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty fair assessment there. Uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, if I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm gonna put the, I'm, I'm good with the top two teams as far as rankings go. Villanova, defending champ, so give them their nod. Uh, UCLA has just been balling out. Uh, Kansas, yeah, blue blood, I'll keep them there. Uh, and then I'll probably, just talent wise, I'll probably slip, uh, Kentucky up there at four after them and uh i mean this regular season tournament will be different but i think i was have baylor rounded out hmm. all right uh you guys have anything to say about your assessments uh yeah i mean baylor for me they'd be at that seven uh the the only reason i think i i would put them that low is I don't know I, I always it, it for me I think it's more of a history thing with Baylor than anything else I always feel like they're always that team that kind of hangs around but loses kind of a dumb one um I, so for me it's more of just a personal preference there is why I'm not gonna slide Baylor up there but uh you know I, I think you know you can really interchange any of those top five or six teams at this point um, but like, you know, we say you kind of give the nod to the, 
to the you know defending national championship defending national champion that you kind of give the nod to the team with the hot players right now and right now it's UCLA so really any of those teams are interchangeable to me it's just the fact that you know some are a little more uh, eye candy than others and that's kind of what UCLA is right now but you know still they deserve to be there not gonna say they don't yeah I mean it's like the way I'm looking at it, it's still very early in this season. But, I mean, I, I guess I still have Baylor in there just because they are really talented all around. It's just, like I said, March, I'm not saying I'm picking them to go super deep because mm-hmm. they're one of those teams that will will break your heart usually if, if you're rooting for them to go very far. They're one of those teams that seems to blow it early by just not playing together, but can't deny how much talent they have on their team. Mm-hmm. Now, I was about to ask you guys, I was meaning to ask you guys this a while ago, but um, last year, uh, Louisville hit the news uh, for about some stuff that they had going, scandals that they had going on. Um, currently, they're 9-1, uh, but you guys said that, um, you know, still early in the season and everything. Uh, do you expect that to really have a what was going on with last year to really start to have an effect on them uh later on into the year i doubt it uh, i mean it's it's patino's team they're gonna be in a bubble basically and i mean probably in the locker room they're using it as a us against the world type deal you know less show we're above that or whatever would play on the court. So I, I I doubt it. I doubt that has an effect on anything on the court. It's just going to come down to them playing better teams. Okay. Yeah. The only way I think it starts to affect them is if a lot of information or stuff starts to resurface. Because uh, r- right now, uh, in reality, nobody probably even remembers what even happened or what the violations were. So something would have to resurface. They'd have to be talking about it next to nonstop for it to really affect this team. I mean, right now they're nine and one. Uh, I I think I caught them on TV a couple times. You know, they, they look like they have the talent. So I'm with Darnell. The only thing that's really going to hurt them at this point is if they fall into just a losing streak and they start to lose confidence. I don't I don't see it being the the violations unless that resurfaces. All right. Yeah. Especially, I mean, what what the violations are, I don't think it's anything that really bothers kids on the team. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was basically, I mean, for those that don't remember, basically, I guess they were buying hookers for recruits and mm-hmm. stuff like that and setting up uh, random parties where stuff that you wouldn't want going on for your 18 year old, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I don't think it's anything that they're probably too worried about, honestly, especially if it got them to sign their letter of intent. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't think it affects the play on the court. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, guys, uh, anything else to add to uh, NCAA basketball before we move on? No. All right. Uh, about to get into the NCAA football now. Uh, had quite a little bit of coaching moves, uh, so far. Um, just, uh, what are your thoughts about the, thoughts about the coaching moves, uh, so far, um, into this end of the season? 
Uh, they've kind of shaken out basically as expected. Uh, you know, Texas, they, they did end up firing and hiring and, you know, uh, probably the one that most expected to get that job got it with, uh, Tom Harmon out of Houston. Yep. Uh, uh, he's in a good situation. I think that team's ready made to win nine, ten games next year. Uh, I, I'll think it's probably a disappointment if they don't, uh, especially since now they're bringing in a guy that I think most of the boosters would be behind. Um, I didn't feel that it was ever really a good situation for Charlie Strong, even though he did good things there. I, I don't, I just don't think he really ever had full support of the boosters and everybody. Uh, so I think that one was a good fit. And otherwise, uh, uh, you know, you got Lane Kiffin. We we said earlier this year he was going to be a a hot name, especially if if things go well. He, he's getting his his next shot at head coaching. Uh, he might actually be in a spot where he he can be left to his own devices and not destroy a place. So that might work out for him. I'll look to see how it goes. And uh, me and Ty were talking earlier. I think. Uh, at the aforementioned Charlie Strong, I think his new landing spot actually works out well for him too. Okay, uh, why is that? Uh, a good program, and I think he'll he'll have them uh, going uh, swimmingly. Uh, I think he'll he'll turn out a nice first year, wash the stink off his Texas experience, and maybe in a couple years he he's ready to get another. Uh, top level D one job. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I I agree, especially with the Texas job. It was the fire and hire everyone saw coming. Um, so I think that'll work out real well for for Texas. Uh, I think it was one of those best for both parties. Um, Harmon's gonna do well there. He's good for Texas. Texas is good for him. He started there as a grad assistant, so it's kind of a full circle job for him. So I think this is the right move there for both sides, uh, and I, I expect it to, to work out. Um, I think out of the – well, before I move on to the one I was surprised by, um, also with Houston hiring the offensive coordinator, App- Applegate. Major Applewhite. Major Applewhite, that's right, yeah. Um, I To me, it makes sense when – uh. Harmon left. A lot of the players felt betrayed. A lot of them were upset and mad. Uh, so the, there was going to be some bad blood there between a lot of the players and Harmon. So to bring in a guy that all the players know and already trust, I think that's a smart move. Uh, kind of just give the next guy in line his shot. But like I said, most importantly, the players will be behind it and they'll they'll play for him. So I I, I think that move made a lot of sense. Uh, it kept the team together. Um, I still won't be surprised if you see some transfers or stuff happen out of that, but uh, for the majority, I think it's going to keep that program together. Uh, but the hire I was surprised by was the Lane Kiffin one. I didn't expect him to go to Florida Atlantic. Uh, granted, I don't really know where I saw him going, but uh, I don't know. I, it just kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I think I was expecting him to end up – not necessarily with a huge program, but a, a bigger type program. Um, 
you know, I didn't expect him to get that Houston job, but maybe a school like a Houston, uh, but I guess that is Florida Atlantic. So, uh, you know, I also wouldn't have been surprised if he maybe made a jump to offensive coordinator in the NFL somewhere. Uh, I saw that being a real strong possibility, but hey, if you're looking to head coach, you, you have to take a step back to move forward. So, you know, being the offensive coordinator at Alabama is a really nice gig. Uh, he was probably being paid very well there. Now he'll have his own program. Like you said, he'll be able to do things his way. He just can't get in his own way and mess it up. Uh, I think he'll do well. Uh, he'll get kids to go there and play. He'll, I think he'll recruit well as, as well. Uh, so, you know, don't wish bad on anybody in their new coaching ventures. I hope everybody does well. I even hope Charlie Strong, you know, keeps that program rolling. They had a good season this year, so I think he'll be able to do well uh, at a at a lesser type conference and then make his way back up. So uh, in terms of all the hires, you know, I'm not against any of them. I like them. The only one I was a little, little surprised by was Link Kiffin hire. And like I said, I, I just didn't expect him to go somewhere like a Florida Atlantic. I didn't think uh, his ego would allow him to settle for that. So uh, definitely humbling for him to take that so um, you know hope he does well yeah i mean as far as kiffin goes uh i guess what i thought would be he either went up for an oc job in the nfl or he took Mm -hmm. a mid-major to say type school job Mm because i think a lot of the big schools is still a little he's a scary hire uh, yeah just because risk reward yeah, every shot he's had at head coaching at a NFL team or major program, it has ended with a dumpster fire. I mean, with him, you know, leaving Tennessee and basically in the middle of the night to go to the Raiders, the Raiders firing him at the airport. And, <laughs> and you know, and USC ended pretty badly as well for him. So I think it was just. And him landing at Alabama, I think, was a good thing for him to having a really strong personality head coach in front of him to – because Kiffin, he's one of those offensive minds that thinks he can can work his plays to do everything and not, not stick to what works. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure it probably got to the point where he got tired of hearing him run the ball lane uh, yeah. at at Alabama with Saban because, you know, he likes to he likes to fling it and, and call plays that are with all these intricate routes. But hopefully he's learned that if you have a great O-line and a stable of running backs, you need to use those as well. So hopefully this stop worked well for him and, you know, he, he can show what he learned from the master uh, at Florida Atlantic. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of piggyback what you guys were saying. Um, I was kind of pretty shocked by the move of Lane Kiffin as well. Uh, just the key reason for me, um, you know, I don't care what profession, uh, you know, whether you're a coach, uh, basketball player, uh, preacher, whatever it may be, um, very rarely do people got to get the opportunity to say, you know, hey, I was under uh, working under possibly the greatest, you know, coach of all time, the greatest basketball player of all time. 
So when I thought about this, you know, Lane Kiffin, um, I do understand where you guys are coming, where we're coming from with, uh, you know, previous coaching experiences, um, as well, you know, such as Tennessee, uh, USC and, you know, NFL, uh, you know, but right now I was kind of looking at, you know, this guy's 41 years old, you know, he was coaching at a very young age for him to get under save. And I would have stayed there longer, you know, just because like, you know, like I just said, you know, very rarely do you got opportunity to be under somebody considered possibly the greatest of all time under their profession. So he could have learned more about Saban's philosophies, uh, his work ethic, you know, how to, you know, work with teams um, and so forth uh, so that, you know, possibly, you know, if Saban was a retired down the road, he could take over an Alabama, over the Alabama position or if somebody, a bigger name school other than, you know, Florida Atlantic, he could have went after that as well. Uh, but, you know, But yeah, Lane, um, he was probably just itching to get into another head coaching job. Um, so this was something that probably has a huge passion for, but that was taken away from him through previous experiences. So I, I get what you're saying, but one, we don't know when Saban's going to retire. Two, I don't think Alabama would offer him even if Saban did retire and he was there another however long because that perception would be he's good if he has somebody keeping him in control, keeping him under control. And I think that would probably be the thought process for most bigger colleges. And and I think Kiffin's smart enough to know he has to prove that he's learned from his past mistakes by taking a smaller school head coaching job. Yeah, we're all we're all side with you there, Darnell, is okay, a lot of coaches get their a lot of coaches end up getting their coaching start at some of the smaller schools. I mean we look at Lane Kiffin, the two other college or the yeah, the two other college head coaching jobs he had at Tennessee and USC, he didn't exactly wow anybody. I mean Look, he was at Tennessee for one year, seven and six. And then the years he was at USC, eight and five, ten and two, that's a good season, but seven and six, and then fired during the next season. I mean, like, that isn't exactly a successful record to get an Alabama coaching job, let alone any other big time job. So he doesn't, he doesn't have the track record that allows him to get that job or really any big job. So the Florida Atlantic job makes sense. That's why I said I expected an offensive coordinating position in the NFL. 
uh, over getting a college head coaching job. That That's why it made more sense to me. Just this track record isn't there. Yeah, and, I mean, outside of just coaching, like like I mentioned at first, the way he ended two of his other yeah. three jobs, I, I still don't think USC is very fond of him anymore mm-hmm. either, but they hate him <laughs> at Rocky Top. And, yeah. And, you know, the the Raiders, he he was actually just doing stuff to get fired. Like, he, what was he? he? tried to have Sebastian Janikowski kick, like, a 70-yard field goal at some point mm-hmm. uh, his, with the Raiders. Like, he was trying to get fired. So he, he had a lot of immaturity that he has to show that he has grown up from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I get, I get that uh, definitely for sure, you know. Uh, like I said, you, you know, he was young, uh, when he was doing that. But like I said, my key takeaway out of it is, you know, you got an opportunity to learn from possibly, uh, you know, if not the greatest, one of the greatest. Um, so that could really be a chance for him to, you know, stick under saving and, uh, mature some more, some more, to, uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, he's got everything together. Um, okay, guys, uh, anything else to add, uh, to NCAA football, uh, about coaching? No. Okay. Um, up next, we're about to get into the NFL. Uh, what's been making huge news, uh, this week, uh, is regarding the Cowboys, uh, about possibly, uh, benching Dak and starting Romo. Um, is the media making a huge deal out of this? It's way overblown. In what other situation would somebody lose one game? Not like didn't get blown out, but lost one game, and all of a sudden you're talking about bench him. <laughs> like just that is just beyond ridiculous to me. I know he's a rookie, but He's he's won he had won ten straight games and then he loses one and now it's like well we need to go back to and lost to the team that uh, was the only team that beat him so lost to the same team twice yeah yeah but I mean in this situation it was in New York weather wasn't great Uh, you know it the game kind of it fit both teams if Dallas would have been able to run the ball a little better but. It was a close game still, and, you know, it's not like Dak Prescott just, you know, crapped the bed totally and threw five picks and lost 45 to 10. Yeah. Like, just come on. Like, he, he had a rough game. Uh, I don't think it's what we would call a rookie wall. Let, let him play a couple games and see. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it can't get to that point. But one game is not enough to start calling for the backup. Yeah. I agree. Uh, it's just an odd situation to begin with because not every backup's Tony Romo. True. So, I mean, it, it, it's an odd situation from the start. And it was when they started winning. I mean, I, the intention was never to play Dak Prescott this long. It just happened the fact that he was rolling, the team was rolling, and they stuck with it. I mean, I understand all this 
you know, oh, should we should we be looking at bringing Tony in? Like, I I get it, but I also understand that. I mean, Dax won the eleven games. Does one little hiccup, you know, make him deserve to be pulled? Like, I, I and that's where I'm with you, Darnell. I don't think it does. I mean, like you said, it's not like they were blown out. It's not like he threw five interceptions. You know, it's they just lost. <laughs> they lost to a division rival uh, on the road, prime time, and it was cold. I mean, that, there's there's not much that's going for you when stuff like that's the situation. So. In my mind, it's just a loss. You're eleven and two. You're the best team in the NFL, record-wise. Uh, to start calling for him to be benched, I mean, I I think that's a little premature. I think you need to look into it a little deeper than that. Just just because they lost one game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now. Uh... Next question that I have for you guys is uh, about Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he's 39 years old. He's uh, still doing his thing. Very disappointed in the Ravens uh, Monday, man. They they stepped <laughs> it up the second half, but you can't give a guy like Tom Brady a good 20 points uh, to have a lead in the second half and then expect to try to come back after that. So um, very disappointing to have, see that in that game, but just overall, like, how many good years do you think Tom Brady still has left in him? In the Patriots offense, as they play, uh, five. Yeah. At, at least. I mean, he's, he still has a live enough arm to get the ball downfield, but, you know, they they do a lot of short drag routes. They use their running backs as receivers, uh, and, you know, he hasn't had any health issues that have really taken down the zip on his throws or anything like that. And he's a smart quarterback. So yeah, he still has a lot of years. Yeah. You know, I agree. I, he, I think he'll call it quit with some quits with the, with some still in the tank, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the guy doesn't have much more to accomplish in the game. I mean, granted, as long as he's on the field, he's going to want to win the Super Bowl, but like Darnell said, the system fits him. He fits the system. It's just one of those situations where it couldn't have worked out any better. And they've even really adjusted to Tom Brady as the years have gone on. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at when they got Randy Moss. That's when, you know, Brady was younger, was throwing more deep balls. Uh, and then when Brady starts getting older, Moss goes out. And receivers. Uh, what what it's going to take for Tom Brady to still stick around is, one, obviously him being healthy, and two, some of his bigger playmakers being healthy as well. Uh, you're going to look at, you know, Gronkowski. If he's not going to be healthy, Tom Brady's not going to be putting up similar numbers. Uh, you know, if LeGarrette Blunt's not going to be there to run the ball or another formidable running back, Brady probably won't be around. It also doesn't help that the Patriots are always at the top of the AFC. If they start somehow losing a bunch of games, Brady's not going to stick around. So there's just a couple factors there that don't necessarily solely lean on him that still need to be in place for him to stick around. But if if everything is in place and 
he's healthy, I I, I don't see why he can't play five more. Now, if he was with um, any other team, uh, say like the Packers or so, uh, you think he would have been done by now? Maybe not the Packers. I mean, if it's a if it's a historic franchise like the Packers, he'd still probably be around. But I don't know. It's hard to say. But if if it was not a historic franchise, I think he'd be done. Like this would probably be it for him. Okay. All right, guys, uh, you ready for the pickums? Yep. All right, we are all tied, thirty-two for sixty-two. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, first game that we got is Detroit versus the Giants. Give me the Lions. <laughs> Gonna keep going with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I went with them last week, but I, I think the Giants are probably the, the bad matchup for them. Uh, that front seven and Stafford with uh, wearing the glove. Uh, I'm not sure how how it will affect him throwing the ball around, but uh, I think that pass rush might be a little tough for him. So I'm gonna yeah, go with the Giants. Don't know if you watched the lines last week, but I I can you know give a little light to that. I mean, it affected his downfield throwing. Uh, he threw a couple that were, you know. Not necessarily like the greatest throws in the world, but they just weren't there. Uh, that were more downfield. So don't be surprised if we see a lot of Theo Riddick if he plays. Uh, a lot of that Tom Brady short pass action going on. Uh, that that's going to be a big part too. What what Detroit's going to do? A lot of passes in the ten to fifteen yard range and shorter. We're we're going to see a lot of that. All right. Uh, for me, I always believe that in order for you to beat a man, you got to beat the man. Uh, the Giants, they beat the man twice. So I think they're going to be coming in this week extremely confident. They're playing at home. So give me the Giants. Up next, we have Philly versus Baltimore. Yeah, I, th- I think Baltimore is going to carry a little bit of momentum from a strong second half against the Patriots. Uh, Philly's trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Uh, Carson Wentz got off to a nice start, but it slowed down. So I'll take Baltimore in this one. Yeah, I think both of these teams were late enough in the year where we know what both teams are, and Philly was just not good. So I'm rolling with Baltimore. All right. Uh, give me the Ravens as well. So hopefully they, they should rebound uh, from – Kind of playing pretty bad against the pass, so I'll be looking to see what they could do. All right, up next we have Pittsburgh versus Cincy. Yeah, give me Pittsburgh. Nice uh, nice matchup here, though. It's going to be a little good one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, I just think Ben Roethlisberger's better than Andy Dalton. I think Lee Van Bell's better than Jeremy Hill. And I think, you know, depending what happens with A.J. Green, it always seems like he could be back. We don't know. Uh, but I'll still take the uh, pass catchers for Pittsburgh over the ones for Cincy. So give me Pittsburgh. Yeah, I just think that Cincy's dealing with just too much, too many injuries, too much worry about who's going to get fired at the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> I'm rolling with Pittsburgh here. All right. Oh, Pac-Man Jones won't be playing garbage this week. So, uh, <laughs> Give me Pittsburgh, man. I think they're going to be pulling it off. 
Uh, okay. Up next, we have Nola versus Arizona. Um, who you guys have? And not too often can you say Drew Brees has been garbage, but he has been. <laughs> so uh, I'll take Arizona. Uh, big fan of David Johnson. Uh, the defense is going to be showing up. So I'll take Arizona regardless. Yeah, I'm inclined to go the same here. Uh, I mean, even if Breeze does turn it around and play well, just that defense doesn't do much to help them out, especially if they're not in New Orleans. So, yeah, give me the cards. All right, I'm going with Arizona as well. Um, basically just said it, Darnell. Uh, you know, even though Breeze does have a good game, uh, that New Orleans defense is still pretty iffy to me. So I'm going with uh, Arizona. Up next, we have the Patriots versus Denver. Who do you guys have? I will take the Patriots here. Uh, both teams will play this one real tough. Uh, Denver could use a win here for sure. Uh, but I, I don't know that Trevor Simeon can do enough of that offense. Uh, I think the Patriots defense is going to pull up some nice schemes on them. Um uh, and I think New England will be able to use those short passes to their advantage and win the game. Yeah, uh, Denver's defense is starting to get a little bit healthy again, but I just don't think they're back to the level to stop the Patriots, and I think the Patriots have enough on defense to deal with Trevor Simeon. Uh, yeah. We might have another game basically like last week where Denver doesn't put up many points, but uh, – you know, maybe and Emmanuel Sanders gets a lot of targets and a lot of yards racked up, but just probably not enough. So give me yeah, that. I don't. Yeah, I don't care what Emmanuel Sanders does anymore. My fantasy season's over. <laughs> he can he can do whatever. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going with Denver on this one. Uh, it's getting close to playoff time, man. So these two could be meeting uh, down the road uh, quite soon. I just think Denver uh, they're going to step it up. They're at home. Uh, you know, past there without their boy, uh, Gronk. So I think this is going to be a time for, uh, Denver to just get at, uh, Brady and try to get in his head and, uh, pull off a win kind of like they did, uh, last year. I do think this game is going to be close, but, um, I think Denver's going to pull it off. Up next, we have Tampa Bay versus Dallas. Could this be the game where Prescott does get benched? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting matchup though. Like Tampa Bay is hit or miss. Their defense is starting to play well. The offense is what's more hit or miss. But uh, I'm gonna go Dallas on this one. Uh, I think they'll regain a little bit of confidence uh, before the Lions take it away in two weeks. So, All right. um, yeah, I'm already calling that one. Um, but yeah, seriously, uh, I think I think Dallas will take this one, and I think Zeke Elliott's just gonna have a really nice day. Yeah, uh, you kind of took the words from me there. Uh, I think Dallas goes back to feeding Zeke a lot and getting back to, you know, trying to maul in, in the trenches and use that ball control offense that they have. Uh, Tampa does have a good defense, uh, so they're going to probably try to key in on Zeke. So we'll have to get some play action out of Dak Prescott as well. So the receivers will come into play. So, uh, you know, we're going to need some stuff out of your Cole Beasley or uh, Jason Witten and, and of course, the, the X-Man, 
Uh, so we'll, we'll see, but I'm taking Dallas. Okay, uh, I have Dallas as well. I think this would be a good rebound game for them. I think uh, Prescott's going to have a pretty good game, but uh, I think, yeah, they're going to feed the ball to Elliott uh, and go up there help carry this team to a W this week. Um, and last but not least, we have Carolina versus Washington. Who you guys got? Yeah, give me uh, Captain Kirk and the Redskins here. Um, I just haven't been at all impressed with Carolina at any point this year. So I'll take the team that uh, can use the win uh, in the cells of playoff shot here. So I'll take Washington. I think Cousins will throw the ball around on this defense. Uh, yeah, I also, I also like Jameson Crowder. I'm a fan, so I'll take Washington. Yeah, I'm going to Washington, too. Just Carolina doesn't have it this year. Yeah. Uh, they're... I just big fall from grace for them, but mm-hmm. uh, don't don't know what the what the crux of the you know, the issue is, but just that they're not good. So give me Washington. Yeah, I have Washington as well. Uh, just think this would be a good game for Cousins to air it out, uh, pad up his stats, and as well as get the W. So uh, yeah, Carolina has not been impressive at all this year. So. Um, Gonna have to get some stuff, get the stuff together for uh, for real during this off season. So, uh, but yeah, I got Washington. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add uh, overall to the show? I I think j- just gonna talk about my team here for a second. I think this is a must win week for Detroit. Uh, kind of unfortunate that Stafford had to get hurt last week. Uh, even though he will play, it'll still be a pretty tall task going to the Meadowlands. Um, they currently have a, I believe, two-game lead with three weeks to go in the NFC North. So I feel like this is going to be a big one to win for them. Me too, man. Just uh, just uh, shout out to Ezekiel Elliott, man. He's been doing his thing uh, so far. He still has a possibility of getting uh, – 2,000 yards. I doubt it. He's, I doubt he's going to do it, though. He's got three games left. Uh, he's at 1,392 uh, for the yards right now. But uh, either way, if he gets it, he gets it. If he don't, he don't. Still a uh, hell of an impressive season for him. So him and Dak, man, they've been doing this thing. So uh, put the Cowboys back on the map, man. All right, guys, as always, appreciate you all for tuning in to the show. Uh, feel free to check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. Um, you can also follow our podcast um, on YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, um, anywhere, everywhere. Uh, basically, just hit us up in the search bar. Uh, we should pop up. So, as always, I uh, appreciate y'all for listening. And by the way, uh, feel free to hit my cousin up on YouTube. Uh, if you're interested in cars, you can follow him at the Black Scat Pack. Um, but other than that, as always, guys, uh, y'all take it easy and uh, take care. We won't be recording next week uh, due to this Christmas time, so we'll catch y'all after that. Peace.